Okay. So we're going to recap just a little bit. Welcome to those on the web for being with us this morning. Um, Sunday morning, we're looking at what is God doing around us. We always talk about this. What is God doing around us to look at what God is doing, get in on what he's doing in our, in our everyday life. And one thing was our movie last night, Mother's Day Out or Mom's Day Out, was a great movie. Again, Pastor Rowley expressed thanks for those that volunteered. But thanks again uh, for making all that popcorn. Oh, man, it was awesome. You could see the grease on the bag of the round bag on the popcorn. But it was, it was good. We had a good time. We had a lot of laughs. And the Bible tells us laughter is like medicine to our soul. It's awesome. Just, just to come together and be in fellowship. So that's one thing this week. I try to point out at least one thing that I know God's doing and we're get, getting in on it. So thank you for those that volunteered. Trials and temptations. They come against us every day. They come and try to steal away our joy. They come to try to whisper lies into our, our hearts. And it just ought not to be so. So as a recap from last week, I made this uh, kind of like paragraph I thought would sum it up. And it's like this. God allows trials and temptations into our life to create opportunities for us to grow in our faith and to learn to trust him. It is during these times of struggle that God is working out of us the things that try to steal his glory in us and the fullness of life he has set before us. And I just really feel like that encapsulates, if you will, what James is saying, that we're to grow through these trials, believe it or not. And God does allow them, and sometimes it doesn't make sense. He allows things into our life, and sometimes it seems so hard and so heavy, and I know, um, but all I can say is we love God and we trust him. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about the one thing that I believe the Bible says, James says, is the hindrance to start to get through a trial today, all right? And then secondly, I, I made this statement. As we persevere by faith, we spiritually mature in the knowledge and wisdom given to us by God, making us more Christ-like. God wants us to grow up and get past the sins in our life that so easily entangle us. It's his desire when trials and temptations come our way that we will be made mature in our faith and stop reacting to situations in our flesh, but learn to respond to situations in a way that will glorify God. Is that not true? I know that's his desire. I know, I know that's our desire. It, re- it really is. And how does that play out? You know, and I always go back. I've, I keep saying it over and over and over again. And, you, you, you know, guys, listen, not one of us is perfected. That's what Paul would say. Not that I've been perfected. Not that I am perfected, I mean. Right? Not anyone in this, this room today is perfected. But God wants us to be made more like his son each and every day. It's something that's a step-by-step. And here's the thing that we, we got to really grab. It's something that is learned and taught. By God, by his spirit, by the, by the spirit giving us the revelation of his word. He teaches us. We learn these things. That's so important to understand. It doesn't come naturally. You know, sometimes we want it to. You know, sometimes we want to we make it just a right, a prayer. Okay, if I pray, God will hear me. I love him. He loves me. And he's going to respond to me the way I want him to. Sometimes we pray like that and we think like that. That's our, that's our flesh nature, our sin nature. And that's what James is going to address uh, today with us in James 2. So today is the discipleship journey, living a life of faith. 
and we're in James 2. So if you'll open with me to James 2, I'm reading out of uh, the New King James Version, translation of the Bible. Um, I like other translations, but I do like New King James. I haven't said this in a while, but I like it because it's it's um, more succinct in the way it's, it has sentences. It's easy to memorize. Uh, it's easy to follow and read because you're reading more sentences than you are. Some translations are more like a, a story. So I like New King James because of that. So now that we're there, um, I put highlights up there, but, but I want us to read together. So here we go. Ready? It says this. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord, Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should come also a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place, and say to the poor man, you stand here or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who loved him and loves him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Father, thank you for your word. I pray and I claim in the name of Jesus that your spirit will give us the revelation and the truth of what you want us to hear this morning. May we be attentive. May our ears be open. May distractions be set aside. If there's but anything trying to pull our hearts away from this morning and from your word, Father, I claim and I pray in the name of Jesus that truly our hearts will be brought back to you. We'll have this moment of time with you this morning together, your word, your spirit. Lord, help us. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. For your name's sake, to your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I look at this, and there's so much, I mean, I... I could literally take any one of these chapters and do a five-week series just on the chapter. And we're doing a chapter a week, basically, because I want to skip this stone. But, but just hear this, this part out. Number one, it's clear that God is telling us to have no partiality. You know, that, that we're not to look at someone differently because of how they're dressed or who they are or how they speak or whatever the case may be. But the bottom line is we're not to have any partiality because God has no partiality toward us. And if you think about that, can you, can you imagine if we walked into the worship time and God was up here, which he is, but I mean, you know, and he, he was up here and he was watching us and he goes, oh, yeah, that Tony, he looks a little weird there. And I'm, uh, Oh, but there's Trish. Well, she's a godly young woman. You know, that's, yeah. Hey, Trish, why don't you come up here? God would never do such a thing. I know it sounds silly, but, but I, I just want to put it out there on the table. This is the part when I say, I say it's deep, but we could dismiss it real simple. Here's the part that I feel is so deep, it's, it's hard for me to grab, Lord. Here it is. But God, you know, really, I don't show partiality that bad. I mean, it's not really in me to kind of look at someone, the way they're dressed, how they act, and go, oh, you know, that person, I'm just going to kind of leave them alone. And, oh, that person, I'm, you know, that, that's a neat person. I want to go talk to that person. But I want to contend this this morning. This is what I want us to grab this morning from James 2 especially. 
James 2, watch this. Let me, let me go to James 1 real quick. If you're in your Bible and you can, just skip over to James 1, verse 2. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let have patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So, so, so watch this. God allows, as we said just earlier, as we said earlier, he allows trials into our life that will test our faith. Okay, so one, number one, as we skip over now to James 2, and he starts to talk about partiality, I contend this. The number one thing, or at least the thing on the top, that will stop us from pushing through a trial is partiality. That's what he's doing here. Now, you might think, and here comes the deep part to me, you might think, well, how would partiality stop me from growing or pushing through a trial in my life? Well, watch this. Now go to James 1, verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. All right? James was just saying, have no partiality because it leads to sin. It is sin. It, it's a sin we transgress. When we, when we look at someone and we, and we start to, to uh, uh, judge them for how they look or how they act, now watch, and we, we start to have this in our heart, what he's saying is, that's what's in our heart. Is that not, that's deep to me. He's saying the partiality I have is not, of course, from any person. It's from me. I see them that way. So thus, how I see God is through that same partiality. That's what he's saying, that we transgress of the law. We transgress back. And as I look at someone or I look at, again, how they're acting, what they're doing, what they look like, if they have money, they don't have money, whatever the case may be, if it's a good, a good boss, bad boss, if, the, if my wife's not doing what I want her to do, if, if my husband's not doing, if my children are misbehaving, and I look at them, and I, if I look at them with partiality, behave, or that's it, or or if you don't change, boss, I'm quitting my job. Or if I, if I look at my situations with partiality and don't see them as God would see them or relate them to me, I'm always going to respond in selfishness. He says, go back, James 1, verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. You know why in our sin nature, why we hold partiality? Lots of reasons. Because I want to look good. I want you to look good. I don't want to have to deal with this situation. And so within me and within my heart, I just start, be, I, I draw myself away and say, well, you know, of course I need to leave my job because my boss, he's terrible or she's terrible. You know what? This relationship I have, I don't care because you know Why? Because they have this, 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 this wrong with them. And you know what? When someone comes up to me and asks me for money off the street, and they seem very poor, you know what I want to say? Get a job. And all that James is saying is in me. It's not them. Now, I'm not saying people don't need to get a job. 
I'm not saying that people shouldn't treat us right. I'm not saying that we should have a boss that treats us with respect. I'm saying, I'm not saying that people shouldn't be good to you. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying is when we find ourselves struggling in trials and these, these temptations that come our way, I'm contending that as James went from James chapter one to, to James chapter two, and the first thing he comes out of the gate with is, don't show partiality. He's saying because you'll never push through these trials and these temptations in your life unless it's Christ in you that sees the trial and tribulation and you put your trust in him and allow him to walk you through them. That you don't see people for who they are unless you see you for who you are. We've got to grab that. I don't like that. <laughs> I got a big mirror in that back office back there. I got one at the house, and sometimes I just look in the mirror and I go, I don't like that. So watch, it goes on. Let's go to verse uh, 10. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not murder. That's God. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak, and so do as those who will ju- who be judged by the law of liberty. I'm going to explain this in a minute. Verse 13. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Watch, watch, watch. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Who's following me, the, the, the line here? He's, he's, saying, he's saying it goes right back to what's in us. That we have no partiality because if we do and when we do, it's not because of the things before us, it's because of the things that are in us. And so now he speeds ahead and he goes, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. If I have no mercy in my heart for those that I'm being partial toward, I, I have no mercy. I'm given no mercy. Go to Matthew. You don't have to go there. I'm just going to read this first. But Matthew 7, 1 says this. Judge not that you have not. Wait, sorry. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with what measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So isn't that crazy? You have this thought that that you think about someone you showed partiality toward this last week. And you're trying to push through some trials in your life. You're not getting clarity. And come on, God, I'm praying. I'm reading your word. Or or maybe you're not, but you're at, you're seeking counsel. Anyway, you're trying to you're trying to get through a trial. You're trying to understand the, these temptations in your life. And then the next thing you know, these things are coming against you that you're partial toward. And what the Bible tells me is this: that as I judge others. So I will be judged. Now listen, I will be judged by others the same. Why? Because that's what's in me. I will, will, I will receive from others what's in me. 
So if I judge someone for something, the next thing you know, I'm judging them because of what's in me. That's how I can judge them. You, for example, I'll just say, you know, you're, you're poor. You have no money. You can't take care of yourself. Or, or um, you know, the way you treat, I see the way you treat your children. I, I don't know. It could be a lot, a lot of things. But the bottom line is the reason I can judge you or I try to judge you for those things is because it's what's in me. And where I show no mercy, I will be given no mercy. Why? Because even if you want to show me mercy... Alex, even if you want to show me mercy, you know, my heart, I won't receive it because it's not what's in me at the time. And we wonder why we can't get through trials and tribulations. It's because it's because of us most of the times. I'm just telling you, that's what James, it's because of us. Isn't that hard to grab? Come on. I mean, that's what I call that deep. I want to take a shovel. I want to dig a hole. I want it to be 10 foot deep. And I just want to go, it's the only way I'm going to let you. I got to get to a place, God, where you help me get out of this mess. And he says, no, 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 I, just continue. He said, you don't have to dig a hole, Tony. You've already dug it. See, that, that's, that's my partiality. I think I got to dig a hole for God to get me out. And God's going, no, you already did a great job by yourself. You're already done in the hole. James goes on. Go to verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works. Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which they needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus, also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. I think many in this room are what the Bible would call born-again believers. You've come to a place where you repented of your sin you put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You understand that God's a loving God and that he sent his one and only son that he might save the whole world. But all are not saved for there is a judgment. Our God is a loving God, but he's a just God. There has to be a penalty for sin. The, the justice says, and we, we want this in our heart too, you know it. Justice says for all that have sinned, there's, there's, there's a penalty, there's judgment. Otherwise, we wouldn't even need Jesus. If that were not the case, if there was not a judgment, a penalty, wouldn't even need Jesus. So as we look and continue in James, and and he's talking about faith and faith by works, what he's really, what he, well, not what he's really saying. What he's saying is, is this, you know, go back to what I was talking about in partiality and what is in us, and that we 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 have partiality because what is in us, we we don't see people or things in life showing us mercy only because we can't receive it for the most part. And so thus we get stuck in a trial. And we get now because we're stuck in a trial, we get tempted. We get tempted to do other things except for the things God desires. Why? Because easy way out, I'm lazy, but most of us, I don't think that's the case in, in, in here. I'm, I don't think it's because we're just lazy or, or we want the easy way out. I think it's because we just don't know what to do. James says, you say you have faith? Where are your works? 
And you've got to be careful here because it's not by works we're saved, right? Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for, grace, for by grace we're saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest no man shall boast. But it's not what he's saying here. He says, show me your faith and I'll show you my works. So what he's saying is, I say I have faith. I say what's within me does not want to be partial. I say what's within me wants to impart my grace to others. I say what's within me loves others. Because if that was the case, the Christ in me would love you unconditionally, would receive you whether you're rich or poor, no matter where you're at. That's what he's saying. He's saying, if really Christ dwells in me, you will see my works. It's not by works that I'm, t- I'm, I'm justified in the sense of salvation. But if, if I say I love Jesus and I say I'm a born-again believer, I say I have repented of my sin and I put my trust in Christ as my Savior, and yet I, just, I don't act like it, I don't sound like it, I show partiality, and I just look at you and say, you know what, I'm better than you. Now, we would never, I hope, say that out loud, but you know in our heart sometimes, don't we? He says, he says if, if you really have put your trust in Christ and you really love him, then it will be played out in your life. Do not be deceived, Tony. Do not be deceived, you that can hear me this morning. What James is saying is, if we say we have faith, but we don't act like it, we have no faith at all. And yet we want, we want people to respond to us as if we did sometimes. Let's continue. Verse 20. But do you not know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son to the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works of faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which says Abraham believed God and it was a and it was an account to him or accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Like, likewise was not Rahab, the harlot, also justified by works when she received the, messenger, the message, messengers and sent them out another way? Verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So there's a huge contrast here. And I don't know if everyone knows the story, if you will, about Abraham and Isaac. Um, and I don't have time to kind of dive into that right now. But the, James says, you know, Abraham was a man that by faith trusted God and literally was going to sacrifice his son on the altar. I mean, but, but an angel of the Lord stopped him before he did. But he was going to. So what he's saying is, you know, Abraham said he had faith. But that faith was proven out when he was willing to act upon what God put on his heart. Then you go to the contrast of that, Raham, a harlot. And I know James is doing this to show. Here you have a righteous man, Abraham, that follows after God, that knows God's law, that, that, that tries to be the best God man he can be. And then you have Raham, a harlot, just the opposite, for lack of a better way to say it. That you would think wouldn't care, that wouldn't know the word of God, that wouldn't know. You understand what I'm saying? And now, now all of a sudden, James goes to, the, to the, this harlot that by faith trusted and helped out God's men and gave him a way of escape and was counted on her 
as righteousness and faith. Why? Because not only did she say she would do what they, what they asked her to do in the name of Jesus, in, in God's name, but she did it. <laughs> you see? The, you see? Okay. So he ends this like this. He says, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. So as the body without the spirit is dead. For the Bible says that we are sinners. And that our, our spirit is dead in trespass and sin. We're born into sin. Every one of us. And we could go into that too. Again, might not be fresh on some of your minds, but it, some of us have had little babies. We've been around little babies, you know, our own, uh, at other places, whatever the case may be. And you can go to the smallest, smallest, smallest of children, and you can, you know, they do funny things. Like they, they can be a little baby, but yet they want to steal something. Or you tell them no, and they get mad at you. And you go, how do you know? You don't even know to get mad yet. Why? It's because it's in them. It's in us. We're born into sin. And the Bible says that we are born into trespass and sin, that our spirit is dead in trespass and sin. Now, what am I saying here? Because that's what James is saying. He says in verse 26, he says, For the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. So, so, so listen. The Bible tells me, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all. Including me, you. We all have a sense of partiality. James is appealing to those that will listen to say these things that come against us in our life are because of our sin nature. They're because of the things that are already in us. And it's God's desire to work those things out of us. He wants us to become more like him. He wants us to come come to a place where we recognize who he is, we put our trust in him, that we allow his word, the knowledge he will impart to us from his word, and the, the revelation his spirit will give us to come into that spirit that's awakened to him, and that we'll respond to life the way he wants us to. Leave here this morning being reminded that if we walk out those doors and we show partiality, meaning we see people and things that we go, uh, they're no good, that won't happen, I'm better than they are. Then just take a deep breath, breath and be reminded that that's what's in you. Well, you, you will never get past the trials and temptations in life if we got to make it about someone else. Even if it's not our bad. God says, I know I've, I've allowed someone to falsely accuse you. Just like my son was falsely accused. He went to the cross. But they, they took him. They falsely accused him. They said he was a sinner. And they literally put him to death. God says to me, Tony, I've allowed people to falsely accuse you in your life because I wanted you to look. This, Listen, I wanted you to look at the times you falsely accused others. Doesn't seem to be the same then. That's hard. 
But God, they falsely accused me worse than I ever falsely accused someone in my life. And he says, yeah. Do you trust me? Will you love them like I loved you even when you falsely accused? Right? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. But I want us to think about this. It's not by a prayer we're saved. If it was, a, if it was by a prayer that, that my eternity would be totally changed, then it's just like every prayer I ever prayed, God would take and just make it okay. So hear me out. Don't want to confuse you. Hear me out. So what I'm, here's what I'm saying this morning. We have a holy God that loves us and trusts, wants us to trust him. But he's a just God. And because he's a just God, what he wants in our life is the most, but there's also a penalty for when we sin and when we do wrong. So the wages of sin is death. There's a penalty for when we sin. But God wants us to be reconciled to him. So the Spirit of God takes the Word of God for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. It's all a matter of saying, God, you have shown no partiality toward me. And I know within my heart your word, your spirit's telling me it's true. I want to turn from living life my way. My way of being partial to people. My way of of projecting about people. My way of not loving people like you love me. I want to turn from that. I want to see people the way you see them. I do put my trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Because you've shown me it's true. It's not really a prayer, guys. It's a revelation. It's a revelation given by God. And like I said, I want to be careful because... I don't think it's wrong if you say you want to pray and ask Jesus to be your Savior. But James is pointing out that a lot of people can say they have faith, but not necessarily have it, right? You can say you know who Jesus is, and James says even the devil believes in God, but they're going to perish, right? You see what I'm saying? So this morning we leave. We take the deep breath. We say, God, these trials and these temptations that are in my life, I'm going to take a deep breath. And first of all, I'm going to look into to what I see that, that when I, where I hold partiality, it's stopping me from moving forward and trusting you. So help me. And then, God, I do believe that I'm a believer. I do believe I'm saved. I do believe I put my trust in your son as my savior. How's that working out in my life? Am I engaging your word? Am I engaging you? See, again, it's not about being legalistic. You know what? we got to read a, a, a chapter a day. If, you, if you're really a born-again believer and you're in this room, you're gonna, you'll read a chapter of his word today. How, how dare you if you don't read his word? What is that? Partiality. It's not true. But we have to grab what God has. And we have to say, all right, God... Show me the way, the truth, and the life.
I believe in you. I'm going to be in your word because I want to. I'm going to be in your word because I know of your mercy and grace. I know that if I receive your mercy from your word, that I can now exhibit that mercy in my life. Good. I know we know that. Father, I pray for anyone this morning, Lord, that's seeking you out, that desires to know your grace, that desires to know your salvation. And Lord, I don't know if anyone this morning within their heart was was given the revelation of the need to be saved. But if so, I pray and I claim that they would speak it from the rooftops. They would share with me, with someone today, that they put their trust in you as Lord and Savior. And Lord, I pray for us as a body, your body, as we leave here today, remind us, remind us, remind us to have a life of no partiality, that we would see people as you see them. For, Lord, I do know this, as you just right now are speaking this to me. It's when we, we don't see others with partiality is when we'll really grab the thing you've been telling us for nine months now. To look to see what you're doing around us. And, Father, it's like sometimes we can't see what you're doing around us because we're looking with partiality. Let us see what you see. I know you hear that prayer. Let us see what you see for your namesake. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple of quick announcements. Um, This is an official, if you will, (laughs) we need to give a two-week notice of an annual meeting of November the 10th at 5 o'clock. So this is this is your official notice. We're having a business meeting uh, on November 10th. So all are welcome. Uh, members uh, basically are the only ones that can vote for anything. Um, but uh, I do. I, I want anyone and everyone that wants to be a part just to hear what's going on at 4CBC. Uh, and if things get a little rough, you know, like we're trying to decide what color to paint the walls and someone wants it green and red, well, then we'll ask our visitors just to step out so we can duke it out. And then, no, not really. I shouldn't kid like that. <laughs> but um, but seriously, if you can be here, be here. I mean, it's our body, right, that Christ has given us. So be a part of that regardless of where you're at in our body. So you're now invited. Um, we're continuing until November 10th to pack Christmas shoe boxes. Uh, if you don't know exactly what that means, Um, You can see one of the ushers, see myself, um, but those are empty boxes still. I really would like to see us uh, engage this ministry that God's given us. We can't do all ministries, can't do all outreaches, but we can do the ones God says, hey, put this on your heart, let's do this, okay? Um, And then, again, we won't have a spiritual health group or a youth training this week, um, but I I want to just make that a general announcement so we didn't miss anybody. Um, Wednesday, Christian Essentials, we're, we're, we are taking what we're doing on Sunday and bringing it into Wednesday, and we're going deeper, and, and it's a discussion time. We're taking what God's Word is saying, and then we're discussing out what does that mean to us personally. So if you can attend Wednesdays, now is the time. There's four more weeks for this series. Every week stands alone. Come on in, 6.30 to 8, uh, it, even if for, for a season of time. Even if you can come in a Wednesday or some Wednesdays, you'll, you'll still... Uh, greatly benefit. Um, be praying for our TLC team. That's the team we put together uh, here at 4CBC uh, to pray for the future. Who will be our leaders of the future? How will we go into the future? Um, we really pretty much have a plan. I really believe God's given us a vision for the future, and it's moving people toward Christ. And how we do that is by equipping the saints, strengthening the families, and growing together in faith. But you know what? That can sound like what? 
You know what I mean? So you, you, you want to really know the, the vision of 4CBC, the church that you're a part of? You want to really know what it is? Then be it. Then be it. Be not only hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Share the love of Christ, and you'll be right in the middle of the vision God's given us. Amen? All right. Well, God bless you as you go. It's so good seeing you this morning. Trish and I will be down here in the corner. If you're a visitor uh, and you have a question about 4CBC or you have a prayer need, uh, we'll be here for a few minutes. Beyond that, God bless you. We will see you.